0: Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to, arguably, the biggest pop star in South Africa at the moment. Hailing from Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo, his story is now legendary. Crossing crocodile-infested waters and journeying down to the tip of the African continent, where he settled in Durban. After juggling multiple jobs as a security guard, a car guard, and a waiter, while simultaneously working on making music... A few demos sent to the MD of Universal Media Publishing changed everything as he then began to take giant leaps towards becoming the African pop maverick that he is today. Renowned for his distinct sound, his songs reflect a peregrine of life shared by so many who live in Africa, but few are able to express their experiences in a way that he does, capturing an ear so universally and directly. I am, of course, talking about the enigmatic Trezor. But first, we need to mention our awesome studio sponsors for this season STFD Studio, a world class recording facility opened by local music specialists, Sit the Folk Down. Their services range from audio and post production work to mixing and mastering and everything else audio related. Get in touch with them at studio at stfd.co.za for audio recording and music related needs. Mixroom Studios is a boutique, electronic music-focused, mixing and mastering studio. And if you're making cool electronic music, you probably need your beats to be polished. So hit Mixroom Studio up at info at mixroomstudios.com for more info. Trizzle, welcome.
1: Wow, thank you so much. It's really great to be here.
0: Now, Now... There is a question, okay? Because this is the first... We've met a few times, but this is the first time that we're sitting down in an interview environment. And there's a question that I have been wanting to ask you forever.
2: All
0: right. You make this epic crossing from Goma, right? Yes. All the way down to Durban. Why Durban? Like, no disrespect to Durban or anything, (laughs) right? It's a cute town. But, like, why not Johannesburg? Or even Cape Town if you want to settle by, like, a seaside town. What was it about Durban that made you go, okay, I want to put down roots here? Uh,
1: if I have to be honest with you, I was not fully informed, but all I knew, I, was not, I didn't want to start in Johannesburg because I heard some of the craziest stories, eventually, that I experienced later in life, um, you know, and I come from a very small city and, you know, I heard all about small city living, being Durban on a much larger scale and uh, the weather, and also a very big community of Congolese people, so it must have been easier for me to integrate. And I had, like, a few, very, like, two or three people I knew were coming down. Uh, maybe distant uh, people that I was in touch with were just people that were based in Durban, so I thought I had a much better chance to be able to integrate and have a, maybe a little bit of quick start, to uh, say... Um, if I started in Durban. I mean, it, to be honest, it was not um, a bad decision at all because Durban set a really great starting and foundation for me. Um, it was an incredible environment for me to start from.
0: Okay, so you're in Durban. We've now established that. When you arrive, how much English do you speak when you arrive?
1: Uh, about 0.5%. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, I mean...
1: Actually, 0.1%. That was a pretty... Uh, pretty um, I was just trying to flex, but I had, I had no knowledge of English whatsoever.
0: But that's very intense. I mean, I know from from my dad. My dad's Italian, but he was born in Venezuela, lived in Brazil. Really long, um, very complicated journey of how he ended up in South Africa. But when he did, he was 13 years old, and it was apartheid, South Africa. So here's this boy, this Italian boy, coming from Brazil, doesn't speak a word of English, has to learn English, but also Afrikaans. Like, because at the time, you know, with the schooling system course, and everything. Of course, of course, And I, I remember growing up, my dad would, would say to me, you have no idea how easy you have it. Like, imagine being like a pimply teenager arriving in a country. Trying to
1: figure yourself out. And
0: trying to learn two languages at the same time.
1: Of course, of course. But
0: how old were you at the time when you arrived in Durban?
1: Um, if I remember correctly, I was about 19. Okay. Yeah, so I was, I, was, I mean, I was a pretty young adult Um very s- small city so a lot of things most of things not just a lot of things were very new to me so I had a lot to adapt a lot to learn and a lot to figure out um
0: and can you remember what the music scene in Durban was like when you like yeah you? like I mean I know
1: pretty much everybody that I was still there. Like, uh crazy enough, I think the early people that welcomed me was like some of the legendary legendary folk musician in Dur- Durban, um, such as the incredible iconic let uh Safe Kitchen. Wow. Seed Kitchen. Um there was Madala Kunene, uh, who actually offered me a split for the first time I met him. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't even I couldn't even speak English. It's just like hey, yeah, more you must you know. Um there was um geez, there's a lot of I think at that time Stealing John, Stealing Love Jones was doing well. SJ eventually I used to work as a gardener for one of AJ's, SJ's friends from Stealing Love Jones. So oh, she became wow. a good friend of mine. Um, Perez was still around. I eventually we started a band called Maisha which did pretty well in the Dublin scene, which was sort of like it was a eclectic version of like freshly ground, like a lot of guys from Portugal, UK it's a wild story how the band came together but I used to sing and my manager would come in between the set to speak this next song is caught because I couldn't really speak English oh, wow. so <laughs> he'll be telling people the next song and I'll tell him I'll try and speak to him and explain to him what the song is about and so um, Devon was very I, That around the same time I met a lot of incredible musicians we used to do open max with uh, who some of them became like very lifelong friends such as Moonchild we used to do a lot of open max together like 10 years ago uh, Busiswa so i lazy. Um, um, I've also known Holly Ray since she was like 14 years old. Wow. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I knew her mom. Um a very, very kind lady. I knew her family. So, I mean, everybody in Durban, like, it's a very small circle of musicians. I'm know? starting
0: to understand now why you settled there.
1: Yeah, it's a very small town and I got to navigate my way around and I got to plot uh, this uh, global tech over there is about to kick off. I got to do a lot of things then, and got to learn, to speak English easily with no pressure. I got not, I got to do small jobs and being able to live within my means, you know. So there's so many incredible things. I think that Durban was it or was for me, and that was all always forever cherished.
0: So talk to me about Maisha, right? Yes. Do you remember your first performance?
1: Yes. We told it's more Moya with Shaka Marin. <laughs> I go pay two and a half grand. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half grand. Yes for so, the band, six piece band.
0: Oh, how times have yeah, changed, Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I go that, that was that was a pretty good check though. Like it's yo, listen. I used to make two and a half grand a month as a security guard. So getting that for a forty five minute set, I was like, oh, I think I think we're getting right, you know.
0: We're gonna eat Afro's chicken forever. Yeah, you know
1: what I mean? We're getting alright. So um yeah and it's set and i remember the were um, i think before that me all of them played there before because they were at the beachfront and the people were just so excited and it was just so new to me because there are different cultures there's a lot of different races and everybody was just so excited and um uh, because the band was so new eventually when went and played splashy fan actually that like maisha went played so fast like the word traveled so fast um, and everybody those journalists I think if I remember well, there was a there was a journalist from Devon called Neil Comfort mm. who used to do music music journalist from the Mercury Times and he supported a lot and wrote about it in the news and there was an engineer who recorded most and ladies made Black Mambazo made the late uh, Shabala rest in peace um, Neil Snarman, who introduced me to he used to work at the Playhouse uh, Studios introduced me to pretty much everybody um, and the word traveled so fast and then I think within six months I was on the same, same stage of Freshly Ground opening for them at the Botanic Gardens
0: You, Yeah, and you also opened for Lyra Yeah,
1: like around the same time when the band started I couldn't speak a word of English though and That was what was funny I was just like I had this cool band of people from like different people like Zulu, Black, White, everybody but I could not speak everybody was just like jumping on board and it was just, just was amazing it's an incredible time
0: How long ago was this?
1: 2008, 2009.
0: Because your command of the English language now is brilliant.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. No, for I mean, real. I, I, I'm still, I've, I, I kind of um, take pride in learning. I think my, my biggest, um, one of my biggest vision was to like, I'd love to actually write hit song in English just as a challenge to myself. Um, and write not just for myself, but also for English speaking people that started speaking English since we were born or whatever. <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah, it's always, I think, a beautiful thing. It kind of makes me feel good.
0: Mm. Yeah. So how do you end up sending Ryan Hill, who was the MD of yeah. uh, Universal Media Publishing at the time, how do you end up sending him your demos? Like, do you grab his contact detail of, of from online? Do you meet him at a party? Do you start stalking him? Like, what, what happens? So,
1: you know, I believe in the timing of everything, you know. Um, just to run the little back, bit back... I used to carry this small book where I used to put a lot of numbers in. And when I arrived, within, like, the first month, when I got my first security guard check, I spent, like, a, a lot of time on s- social media, mainly, like, Google, trying Google Studio. So I didn't know the difference between recording studio and recording recording labels. All I knew, everything, was just a mute production house, or whatever. And I called hundreds of people. And it always takes one person to open the door for a whole new chapter to start. Um... And one of the earlier people was Rod Nichols, who became a manager from, maisha He met me at Mr. Brass' home. I remember in, at the pavilion, and I played this guitar, and there, like a bunch of little, like old people that were having some coffee and biscuit that came around, and you know, I like listened to the music. And eventually, maisha was born, and we did a lot of Splashy Fan fan White Mountain, and, and great shows. The marathons in Durban, like it's. I started making a living out of it. So then I wanted to grow and be better, and. Um, I just, everything was in Durban at that time. My, one of my, um, I think my biggest, um, things that make me very uncomfortable is I don't love comfort. I don't love stagnant, uh, being stagnant. I don't love.
0: You love I, being on the go. You love moving. I love moving, new challenges.
1: You know, it works for me, and sometimes it drives other people crazy. But it's just part of why I'm. I love to. I get bored very easily.
0: You like your brain to be stimulated it,
1: all the time. Like that's that's how I live. Right? So I record like 24/7, 30, 365 days a year. You know, so I love to be on the move. So I'll come to Joburg often. Take a bus, uh, Greyhound, or Intercap. You know, sleep over. Maybe if I make I have an extra grand, I'll be able to sleep over to. F- Maybe a friend' house or my friend that used to have me and Rosebank sleep at the couch and hustle. And one day I was checking online about this competition or this end though this young girl that won a competition of Universal Publishing. Eventually got signed to the label. Then I'm like, hmm, okay, that sounds like a pretty easy link to sign. So I just googled the number for Universal Publishing. In that time they were based out of Tokai in 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 Cape Town. Uh huh. So I called, I was like, the guy doesn't answer the phone for the company. That day, hi, University of Music Publishing, Ryan speaking. The MD answering. I'm like, hi, Ryan, this is Trizzo. I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter, I do this and this and this and this and this. And he's like, so now I ask him a hey, question, can you sign me? He's like, oh, I gotta hear your music first before we sign you So I'm like, give me an email address so I can send. So he gave me the email, which was a Friday. Um, I'm in Joburg and I think if I remember I had like literally I had pretty much paid me my last five hundred bucks. I need to catch a bus back. I think it was like around midday and I need to catch back bus in the evening. So eventually he gave me an email address. I put a bunch of small demos together that I had. Send him. Monday first thing in the morning I got the email. It's like we really love the music, wanna hear more. We're excited, we'd love to be involved. And I just went crazy. I'm trying to find ways to, like, because the first time, like, a major company was kind of interested in what I was doing, you know. And um, that was, if I'm not mistaken, it might be around June, July. And so I, I just went in a crazy mode studio. Like, every week, I'll tune out, like, 15 songs, like, writing, guitar, just go, go. So by the time, of, end of the year, I traveled to Cape Town. I got a lift with a friend. I played a few small shows at Zoolabao. And I got to meet uh, Ryan at MD, finally, and signed my first publishing agreement. Ryan eventually became a very good friend of mine who turned into a business partner. We like, he's one of my best friends.
0: You know, side note, you said you came down to Cape Town and you played a few shows at Zulabar. I used to work as a bartender at Zulabar. No way. And in, literally right now, I remember one of those gigs. That's crazy. I, I know, if it's just, it's That's crazy man. sitting here, I'm like, what? on wrong
1: Street. that was in 2010. Yeah. Man.
0: That mind-blown. That's
1: crazy. Mind but
0: that's cool that you and Ryan are still friends. Yeah,
1: very cool, very good friends. He's an incredible brother of mine. And he's seen everything from the start when, you know, like... Um, he We always joke, you know, when we have either meetings with guys from the UK or the States and we're talking, like, numbers of publishing. He's like, like, do you know, like, your first publishing check was 10 grand? You know? Uh, we always joke about it, but... He's seen literally must start to until, until where I am and he knows where exactly what we're going. He understand and he gets it, you know. And it's a blessing for me. It's, it's all about traveling and doing great things with people that understand and pretty much are submerged in your vision, you know. And he get it. So, yeah.
0: Mm. Now, when I want to talk about the single that kicked things off for you because in my mind it was never let me go. All right. And I remember hearing it on Five FM for the first time and thinking that it was Beethoven. Yes. And then hearing this voice and going like, "But that's not Matthew Field's voice." Yes. And then later I found out it was you. I was like, "Ah, oh, but it was co-written with Matthew, yes, which correct. makes so much sense." Of
1: course, of course.
0: So I know that you've done quite a few tracks with Matthew over yes, the years. Yes, yes, yes. What's that creative partnership like? So
1: you know the cra- Let me tell you how everything started with working with Matthew and Beethoven. So in two thousand thirteen. You know, like I won this big competition of Holiday in Express as a writer and uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Rolling
0: Stone, yeah.
1: Yes, nice. and I got given like the prize worth of like 150k and I think with hotel rooms thing. So I was traveling in and out.
2: Bawly. And also, <laughs>
1: yeah, not really, <laughs> but I started to feel the, the the result of the hard work that I was having, you know. Um, also, I got the opportunity to write songs on Zara's album, so I got my first ever wow. check for publishing. Was like it's the first ever 100 I've ever seen in my life, and it drove me so crazy. So I bought my first car. Cash was a little polo, and the rest I went home to see my family. I haven't seen in six years, so I came back. Oh, wow! Home. I came back to uh, to Durban super broke because you know. Um, Family, you're always going to cash out, you know, and look out for family, you're always, you know. Did
0: you also meet family members that you never knew you had? Yes, of course,
1: because <laughs> everybody thought, maybe I'm boiling. At that time, I literally am starting, you know. So, anyway, when I came back in my Brock state, everybody kept telling me, we keep hearing this song, we think it's you on the radio. At that time, I've heard back before, because I was trying to help them get a remix from Zex Bantini, who I new for a long time. Mm. Um... And I keep wondering Which song is Because I don't have A new song already Because This course Radio been Supporting my music For a long time 2012 2011 Like early singles Trying to figure out What kind of genre Of music I'm trying to do So And I found out That song was Pluto With DJ Clock I'm like Oh That's mad There's a, There was a lot Of similarities Because of the guitars And the vibe So and I'm like Oh okay Neil was a, Neil um, Sinclair Sinclair was And time Universal I'm like Neil, yeah, I remember you sent me the guys' music. Can you arrange a session? Yes, oh, cool, cool, cool. I was in Cape Town touring with at that time. Um, was it at that same time? No, actually, I was just I went to Cape Town, um, got in studio, met, and we wrote two songs on that day. We wrote "Never Let Me Go." We wrote "Zambezi." Mm. Both songs made it on my debut album. I've been recording. Around the same time, I released a song called Mount Everest, which was just reached number one in Italy. Like everything was happening so fast.
0: That was with AKA.
1: Yes, yeah. that was the, the remix. Was with AKA the okay. original one. So the guys just in Italian level time found the music online on YouTube and like they just like couldn't stop like harassing one of the song. Like within six weeks, it, it went out and became big at that time. So 5FM started playing that song because they heard it a dance music. Festival, a dance music conference in either Amsterdam or Bitha, and they start playing Never Let Me Go at the same time. So everything was just happening so fast, right? So, of course, um, Bittenberger also having at that time a lot of things happening for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew and I forged this friendship um, over the years, and uh, we just kept writing. Of course, there's a lot of songs we written, but I think people have only heard three three
0: or four how many do you reckon you've written over the years
1: i think we probably have an album probably we've worked pretty easily like on 20 25 songs wow yeah we write quite a lot together you know when it comes to artistic um um uh, relationships and chemistry they're very rare that are right you know um i mean you can have two talented people in one room but they're not necessarily gonna be able to connect artistically. So, and I've been very fortunate to be able to find a few people that I connect with musically and vice versa. And yeah, and Matthew more than just music is a really good friend of mine. I mean, we've we spent a bit of time together writing in London, um, and I think we all feel it's it's that time where we kind of take the music to the global stage. Uh, on a bigger scale And yeah I mean he I think we, we're we gonna Kind of write together For a long time
0: I think even though The core of your Pop-rooted sound Has stayed somewhat The same over the years I really really enjoyed Your last album Nostalgia Because it's got that Bakanga element yes, yes, And yes, it's yes. got the Bubblegum element yes. and, and it's like A musical love letter Of sorts To different genres yes, Which is yes, really yes, cool yes. You must be very proud Of what you put together On that album Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm very you know that record more than anything i always tell it's like a sonic trip into my childhood like you gotta i imagine the sound of my childhood the music i used to listen to and put together one record to be like look i mean i don't know where i'm going sonically like music is always music is very um it's very surprising you know sphere. you never know you can think of something but it won't come exactly how it is like right now i'm experimenting for a lot of things um, I don't know when I get in the studio with Macrons on what's going to come. I don't know if I get in the studio with Calvin Harris, what's going to come out of it. Or, um, I don't know. I'm spending some time in studio with um, Constantin Kesting, who did uh, Tones and I Dance Monkey. I don't know what's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's always, for me, an adventure and a be- very beautiful one. And nostalgia, particularly was very personal because I did the album for myself. Be like Hey If ever people ask me Where do you get your sound from I'm like Go listen to that album Here's the reference That's what, what Nostalgia was all about Yeah
0: My favourite Track of that album Is probably Electric Light Cause yeah. I love it. It's got that like Brenda Fuss-y Weekend Special vibe to it oh, cool. Love that mm-hmm. Also features AKA yes, cool. um, You The two of you Seem to also w- Have worked quite closely yes. Over the years Describe that That partnership And how it's changed uh, AKA
1: is very He's a very, very very talented writer, and he also um, thinks out of the box, which for me is a big, 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 big factor for anybody I work with to not always conform, you know. And he's he's quite a character, and I love that about him. He's an honest guy, he doesn't have any breaks when it comes to expressing himself, you know. Um, I might be the opposite, but I I love that about him, he's a really good guy. And I've enjoyed working for him. He's always excited about the music. I mean, when he did his verse for Electric Night, he literally stopped recording his album. Because I, personally, when I'm recording my album, I try not to interfere for a lot of things. we got to be so close. Like, I'll stop recording and do something for Matthew. I'll do something for Psyche. I'll do something for my artist, Bonjin and while I'm doing my album. You know, and very few people outside of that circle, you know, because there is a channeling of energy and a lot of things that is happening and sometimes you don't want to interrupt it, you know. So it's 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 something that deeper than just like going in the studio and whatever, you know. So um, and he, he did that. He just stopped recording his Touch My Black album. He's like brother, I need to get in beyond this song <laughs> and which he did and and I'm excited how it came out. And for me all these these records and albums and songs, they a very strong imprint in time. And I want kids or um, future generation to be able to look at eras and even people around the world, the kid in Philippines or South America or in the States or UK or France, to be able to discover one day nostalgia or a beautiful madness or an album seven and be like, whoa, this existed like 20 years ago, like mm. someone used to think this way. And that for me, that's to the Beatles sound.
0: So you get to the end of 2019. Yes. And you look back on your year and you see that your music has been streamed on Spotify 3.9 million times. How does it feel to know that you have that many people who are actively participating in and listening to your story?
1: Um, it's beautiful. It really is a beautiful, um, it's a blessing. The music has been traveling a lot of time organically, you know, and it's just people sharing. I mean, we've had a bit of support overseas, but I really think it's very encouraging, it's it's a blessing and I felt it's an indication uh, for us to be able to put more efforts and more resources into um, breaking the music globally and that's where my head is at, you know, it's, it's a great start.
0: Mm. So in July 2017, you inked a now historic deal with Universal Music for a reported seven figures, (laughs) Um, and then you signed another deal with Universal Music for your label, Chakal Entertainment Group,
2: um,
0: to empower local artist development uh, and production apart from the money. What opportunities have those two deals opened up for you locally, but also globally? Because I see you traveling a lot backwards and forwards.
1: Um, I'm start with my, my album. Um, so I think the, the smartest thing that um or smart moves I've made so far is been investing in myself. Um because you get to reap the benefits, uh, you know, face to face and see it yourself. It takes a lot because an, entrepreneurship is like a very it's an extreme sport. Um, you know, and um I think with the deal of Universal it's it's something that it's like the first deal I've ever shaped. Like I was personally part of the reason why that deal came to life. Like there was no representation. It was just myself that went and, you know, played Universal the Music, spoke to the MDC pool who was you know, was a good friend of mine and just came with the deal in which it became something that is something really um amazing for my career. I mean these um we've done two projects together that have done well both of them being Best Pop Album of the Year we're probably gonna do um, not possibly I'm dropping a new album this year so you hear it first here um,
0: Exclusive
1: Yeah it's. I mean that deal has taught me a lot about business and getting to understand the running around of the game and relationship the important relationships in this industry the deal pretty much the deal and from there I shaped the deal of my label so both my deal and artists deals under one umbrella, which is Jacqueline Entertainment Group. Those structured differently. There's a license and there's a JV joint venture, which is one artist. The artists, everybody still signed under Jacquel. I'm signed under Jacquel myself. Um, and with the artist, you know, it's 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 always you know signing artists. You know, I'd love to glamorize it and make it seem like oh my God, it's you know, but it's uh, actually. A massive challenge because you deal with a lot of people's emotions, understandably so, um, uh, people's dreams and people are always nervous, people are always tense and, you know, it's always, you know, it's always on the edge, you know, and I understand so, but I also know I have the best intentions for my artist. Of course, because
0: you, you are an artist yourself. You know, so, so I've it. always
1: taught myself, you can't do the best for an artist, I let them go. Um, and I think they've seen the commitment they've seen the dedication, they've seen the fight because you, you know when it comes to business partnerships and friendships and relationships I mean um, there's two parties, the Jacquel, the Universal it's always going to be a lot of friction because there's misunderstanding sometimes but um, um so far so good I believe things going to get better though because I believe these guys deserve to be on the world stage so I think this year that's gonna be really epic for them because the feedback so far on the music that um, is coming out um, um, is really amazing, incredible, 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 incredible songs.
0: Can't can't fit any more incredibles. In yeah, the they, <laughs> look. I'm I'm
1: blessed in terms of like the kind of artists I've surrounded myself with. You know, um, I don't put too much on my plate that I can't handle. I have only have two artists, including myself, and that's already a lot. And once they threw the window fully, and I know that the guys now can be able, they can be able to sustain themselves, and everything is good. Then I'll be able to take on the next um, artist. But for now, those Batundi and Bonj are my massive, massive focus here.
0: You sound incredibly business savvy, and I know that those kinds of things, like also. R- you know being an entrepreneur and running my own business that doesn't come overnight mm-hmm. that comes from like years of hard work and from watching people who are older wiser than you work and if you're lucky having somebody be your mentor mm-hmm. have there been has it been you know have there been ups and downs have there been positives and negatives and if they have been negatives what have you taken from them business-wise
1: Of course, I believe in everything in life, you know, um, the so-called negatives for me, I look at them as great lessons, you know, of life, so there's never any any loss, per se. Um, um, You know, as I said earlier, entrepreneurship is a massive, massive, um, it's an extreme sport, Um, and you you always have to be on your toes, you have to innovate, you have to be better, you have to be the best, fit the best version of yourself, you know, and... Yes, I've I've lost a lot of money in the process. I've made a lot of financial mistakes. I have i made a lot of bad investment mistakes. I've made um, a lot of bad judgments of character and a lot of a lot of mistakes. But I don't also beat myself up for it, you know. Very I just important. you know, I just um, carry on. I think my spirit the way it has been shaped over time and how I've gotten through life is, you know, as long as I'm still alive you know, as long as I'm still here, there's always, there's nothing that we cannot fix, nothing that we cannot man, nothing we cannot make better, you know, so I'm here living such an incredible life, and musically, and as an entrepreneur, it's just a human being, and, and I'm grateful to be able to be or to live my dreams out loud, and also being able to help other live, others live their dreams out loud.
0: Mm. And in the same way that, you know, legendary African artists like Fela Kuti and Yosundor became poster boys in a way for African culture through their music, I feel like you're doing more or less the same thing with your distinct kind of Afrocentric aesthetic that you have. Do you feel any kind of responsibility of sorts to sort of carry on, carry the torch in that way?
1: Thank you. I think, personally... More than just a responsibility, um, there's a narrative that has to be built of African music globally, because if you know, because I know you do is is, is um, with African music from Africa has always been put in a box. It's always called this
0: word called world music, world music. You know,
1: <laughs> and I think that's that's offensive. You know, um, because. Africa is, 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 is one continent, but there are so many cultures. There's so many incredible sonic identities, you know, to... And I don't do world music, you know. And even if it's called... Whatever, it's music from Mali or Congo or South Africa or Jordan, you know, you can't put everything in one pot of mixed vegetable and call it world music. You yes. know, you really can't, you know. So, um. before I used to be like, oh, cool, world music. But as time went by, I realized, actually, that very limiting. And my responsibility that I believe is to kind of change a narrative just like alongside other friends of mine that I believe are really, like, incredibly talented. Because for me, we don't have the, we might not have the the platform, but, you know, songwriting-wise or um, production-wise or, Mixing wise, if I have to be honest, we still, we set to get there, but that's why we're working with a lot of mixes mixing guys like in the states or Europe or France. We we good, you know. There's I don't I don't see why an artist from Africa cannot be in the same category as your Bruno Mars, or you, Billie Eilish, or you, The Weeknd, or Vampire Weekend, or uh, I don't see why. Bonsh uh, can't be be put on the same platform as your George Smith.
0: I was having this exact same conversation yeah. with Carl Anderson and Greg Collins from understand. Apple Music so, the other day, yeah. And we were saying when they launched their Africa Now playlist, all of a sudden it's like one of the hottest playlists that Apple Music has, like yeah. globally across the board. And like everybody wants to be featured on this playlist because the eyes of the world, the of spotlight of the world is on Africa and on, thing, on everything that we're doing, of creatively, culturally. So of you're course. right.
1: Um, and for me personally, um I feel the responsibility to be able to push that narrative where um and then I don't I don't doubt that it happened in our lifetime where um a pop artist from South Africa or of of course if you're a distinct sound from Congo or whatever, if you do music that can be able to cross boundaries and cross genre, it should be treated with as much weight as they in in the States or UK, whatever. And um, I feel like that's where we, we, we that's the, my responsibility for me, that's how I feel. At least I have to do it for the generation and the people that, um, the different, the musicians that do something that is different out of the box, whatever. So, And I think it's really exciting times. And uh, we have to follow in the path, of course, of the greats, such as Brahiu. I'm sure you know the whole story, you know. And he's, he, you know, we were very close and he really inspired me a lot and gave me extra confidence in the actual vision because in 1967, he had a number on record in the States, which never been repeated again. It's been happened once for an African artist and it's never repeated again. That's how crazy it is.
0: That's insane. But I feel like times are changing hectically.
1: Very much so.
0: And I don't think that that will be there, that 1967 uh, record will be that for much longer, fingers crossed.
1: No, um, no, no, not for sure, not, you know, and I feel, I felt the same. I felt times are changing and things are moving and, you know, walls are breaking. and yeah, the world, you know, uh, you know, I keep telling my friends and family, man, I think the best privilege to have right now on the planet is just freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, I mean, you know, um, hopefully, you know, the governments obviously don't, you know, um, stay fair and just, you know, give people visas when they need them to travel. You know? But, I mean, traveling for me has been the most eye um, opener and um, it's helping me discover a lot of things discover myself appreciate the world and that's where I feel like what's going to change like there's so many communities the music is traveling the culture is traveling mm. um, and that for me is going to put us in a position where why Caiaphas and Letambul was when Michael Jackson Librarian go mm. do you understand like mm-hmm. because the access that all that all that ever missing is the axis
0: i feel like to bring it home to south africa what you do and this sort of this flair that you have and the way that you craft your music videos um to the way that you dress to um your the way you curate your social media it's got a very like distinct flair to it very like distinct aesthetic to it that not a lot of pop stars in this country have um Were you ever coming from another country? Were you ever at all surprised by how warmly South Africans treated you? And because obviously, I mean, not to get too deep or too political, we do know that there is quite an ugly xenophobic undercurrent in this country. Yes, yes. yes. Um, Is is that ever something that you experienced, or have you found? generally South Africans to be quite warm and quite open to you?
1: Um, I think just to make it clear, the xenophobia is, is something that I've experienced very s- subtle um, in uh, different environments, be it work or uh, social environments. However, my general uh, view of South Africans that they've been very kind, very wel- welcoming, very open. Um, and I wouldn't want to... Paint a whole population based on the very few that have done or have the xenophobia. um, They're always always
0: bad apples, and you know, I wouldn't want to.
1: I I, I think that would be very unfair, you know. So, and I'll forever be indebted and grateful to this country for the platform. I mean. The amount of love I get beat from radio or media or shows or it's just incredible. It really is incredible mm. you know i don't you know it takes me a long time for me to think that I don't belong here you know it's 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 um it's been a blessing you know and and I felt everything is c- comes from the power of music music did that I didn't do it, you know. Music did that, and the people just... You know, music is so crazy and beautifully strange where, like, it just blurs a lot of things, you know. It blurs um, a lot of things, and, you know, I'm sure there are people that don't really... uh, Maybe they're xenophobic that will still dance to the music because they just like the song or they love the music, you know. And that's the beauty of it. And I, I look at, you know, anybody that is... Maybe you have the xenophobia thing. It might be it's it's ignorance, you know. It's misguided um, anger, and uh, though I don't I don't support it, I don't approve of it. I have a very tiny, tiny, tiny window of understanding in a sense where I believe there is a lot of dialogue, a lot of um, repression, a lot of. Um, Dealing that has to be done For that to be That route to be taken out You know Because there's a lot of um Social political issues Underlying Underneath And When people misdirect Or misunderstand Or Put their feelings The wrong wrong way Of course They're always going to blame The next man that they see mm. Because that Oh you're always Trying to smash This glass Because it's here But the glass Did not close you From Close Cause your cell phone provider From like messing up Your landline Whatever you know So
0: um, I've, I've read a lot of Articles About you Interviews with you Over the years And People have mentioned That you're quite a private person Right Which is In no way a bad thing Like I'm mad private I don't want people To know my business But I feel like You're the African Beyonce Like we have no idea What's going on Like behind closed doors With you Like at all um, do you feel like people, media, fans hound you more because you're so private? Because they like really want to know what's going on. Um, look,
1: uh, I think in the age of social media, like I naturally just share what I believe is important for people to know, you know. Um, and the rest, if it's really important for me to keep, I keep, you know, such as family and. Um, you know, and people, loved ones, and business, and you know, uh, because I, I feel like, you know, I mean, so many times my peers or friend will be like, oh man, this happened? Oh, why you didn't tell people? Like, it's, it's a great thing. Why didn't you just, because that would be a great moment for you in the media. I'm like, nah, it's not, it's not, it's never about, for me, it's everything that I be around the music. Everything else is a distraction, really. You know, so um, if the music is causing all that stirring, that great. If not, then that's okay, you know. And I love to keep it that way because it's keeping me sane. It's keeping me, it's it like it, it give me my own sanctuary within my mind to just be at peace with life.
0: So we know that you're an incredibly busy man running your own business mentoring your artist, writing your own music, hopping from South Africa to this country, to that country. What are, I know there are some things going on. Right. What things are you at liberty to share with us about what is happening in the future with Trezor? Um, and your business, to yeah. a large extent. I think uh,
1: the aim for us of the business is to build um, a a massive company worth a lot of millions in dollars for sure I like um, that and in pounds even better um, <laughs> make not, that fun. company. I'm driven by it it's just I believe it's something that is very important given the story I come from it's very important to have that story built it's from music so I'm venturing into a lot of things it's music film it's media it's technology um, and yeah property that's for the company and I think for myself there is a room now I believe and space to be able to venture into global space so I've been spending a bit of time in New York and London and LA um, that most of this year for next two three years there's going to be my spaces so you know and I've started to ask for a little bit of help from people that have been travel those journeys so people that produce and work with incredible artists in the states, in the UK, and US. Just trying to try na navigate that sphere because I believe here I can call up on anybody that I feel like would be able to assist with a song, or um, you know, like you know, it, it's just the world here for me has gotten smaller. I mean, I've been fortunate enough. I've entered. I've from us. A lot of people don't understand. I've been in the game for literally less than five years. You know But I can I've been in the room Pretty much for everybody you, you Literally know, like,
0: liter- Less than five years Yes
1: like since my first Single came out
0: Because Never Let Me Go Came out in yeah you know, 2016 2016 Trezor, you just Blew my mind right yeah, now Yeah,
1: I've been again For less than five years So And for like I mean I used I used to be a musician For a long time Like five years Six years before But I'm saying like As a brought As an art- artist And I start being like Awareness being five years Or less, us gonna be Actually five years End of this year um, and I've been in room with pretty much everybody think be it Mafkizolo writing for them I mean, be it Black Coffee recording my vocals for Speed of Sound Anati aka I'm cheese A- anybody can think of Ladies and Me Black Mambazo like anybody can think of and I feel like the universe is pushing me to go do something better because this has been such an incredible stepping stone and that's where i feel like the, you know with my genre of music the way everything has been pushed here we've done i mean you know you i'm sure you know a lot of pop musician you've experienced in the last two three years it's very hard for a pop artist to push the movement as far as it is where it is right now because a lot of people assume you're a pop artist you clearly like Clearly, there must not be money or any income whatsoever. But I've been very fortunate because the music is being cro- it's like crossing over, be it the urban or pop market, and where I'm at right now is reaching out. Be, it, geez, like the people are talking. We're talking about the Phineas Management, Nile Rogers, um, um Constantine, tons and I, um, some high rollers, like. It's going to take a lot of money, a lot of investment, but also I know it's worth it because where everything is going, you can't be trying to play in the big league when you have the wrong boots. <laughs> you really can't. you got to have the, ro- the right gear and you got to be in, ex- in the exact same room. you got to play with the exact same people. And that's what it is. The mixing is very important. The mastering is very important. The tracking is very important. Now, I can't just record a song... Um, in a certain way, quality or whatever, and expect it to like go up with a Harry Styles or, or an Ed Sheeran song. Meanwhile, they've spent like 300,000 on the song. And, mm-hmm. um, it's not even about spending, I'm saying a lot of investment down on the music. When the song is right, it pays off big time because everything just takes off because everything feels right. And that's what I met. So we're just traveling the world, connecting, recording, working the right people, investing and investing and investing and investing and investing. Something's going to take off, though, in the next two years. Maybe this year, maybe next year.
0: Well, I think in five years, if you've come this far and you've done this much, I can't wait to catch up with you in another five years. Uh, in LA In New York Wherever Most you probably, are Most
1: probably Like yeah I mean there will be A cottage there to the Malibu Mansion Beverly Hills Okay so is that my invite yeah, Can I come will, yeah, yeah Okay you great You'll be very welcome
0: Okay um, I'm just looking and at my producer a, Just make a note of that So in five years We're going to be in his um, Malibu mansion Slash cottage Whichever Doing um, this follow up. No 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 yeah. not at all <laughs> So serious I love it um, But I just want to say Thank you so much for this this is long overdue I can't believe this is the first time that we've done thank
2: this thank you I know, I know. Um,
0: and, and I cannot wait to see the trajectory of your star just go yeah it's, up it's up
1: exciting up. times and thank you so much for having me it's been incredible and well, we'll see you soon I mean we'll see you around but also hopefully in Malibu soon
2: yeah I you can me so free Life like this is hard to come by Everywhere you go, I go And I don't wanna close my eyes, no
0: trezor for joining us in studio thanks for joining us for another text talks check out textinthecity.com for more episodes don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and listen to text talks on all good streaming platforms for myself text our producers jonathan ings and matt lords and our assistant researcher and collaborator al clapper catch y'all on the flip side